greatly appreciate it. You're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I hope, and, um, and we'll jump in uh, to the passage in just a, a few moments. Uh, a preacher, though, told this. He said, NASCAR racing is, is part of Southern culture. For whatever reason, the reason, the sound of roaring engines, close calls, thrilling wrecks, just excites people. And guys driving feverishly in circles for hours is actually growing in popularity. Uh, sometimes I wonder, he said, if the car in the next lane on the interstate is going to swap a little paint with me as I head home in my race. But I know it's nothing like rush hour at the Daytona 500. Think about it. How amazing is it that these guys drive within inches of one another, but they're going almost 200 miles an hour? Uh, though it may not appear to be the case, they have to work in unison to keep pace, uh, keep the pack moving around the track. Because minor mistakes can send cars into the wall or into the field, uh, in, into the um, what are they? The grass infield. Uh, but then he said, what if the drivers were blindfolded? Blindfolded? <laughs> sure, they're expert drivers. I mean, look, you know, many times they effortlessly blow through 500 miles without a challenge. Blindfolds would test their ability. Huh? Yeah, make for an exciting race. I mean, they'd have to navigate around crashes through smoke, find the pit stop area without seeing what's there. And I'll tell you, it'd make races a lot more interesting, don't you think? All right, of course, that's a ludicrous idea. Um, and uh, even with the incredible ability of these drivers, it would be ridiculous to expect a single driver could make it around the track blindfolded, maybe even one, one lap, even if he were going like school zone speeds. He paused. And then he said, so Christian, why do you believe you'd fare any better in the racing course of life blindfolded? Without looking often in the Bible to see the dangers and pitfalls that are lurking all around you. Unfortunately, that is exactly what too many of us do. We race out of our houses every day into the fast lane of our busy lives without preparing for the pitfalls ahead. It's no wonder that the, uh, the slightest trial can often send us spinning toward a crash or leave us scrambling to make repairs. God never intended for us to live the Christian life blindfolded. He gave us a book so that we can successfully maneuver throughout life. Last week we had the opportunity. See, they're excited about it too. I know you all heard it. Don't act like you didn't hear that. If you're deaf, you heard the scream that was going on up there. So, yeah, calm them down, would you, Brother Duncan? Go up there and, and just throw your weight around. Straighten them out. All right. Uh, we're glad they're excited about things, but not if it interrupts the message. All right, so, and it did. I have total, no idea where I left. All right, so, here, God never intended us again to live life with a blindfold. He's given us the Word of God. And the question I ask then today is, have you been driving blind this week? I want you to think about that. Have you been driving blind this week? Last Sunday, our, going along with our theme for this year, took us uh, to Psalm 119. And seven times David said he hoped in God's Word. And most of the verses 
dealt with great difficulties he was facing in life, and yet he found that the Word of God had an answer for those situations, and that he could say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting in your Word. I'm trusting in your judgments. I have hope in what you have said. I have confidence that you will do what you said. And some of those, a number of them, were prayers saying, God, do this because this is what you have promised. And there was a truth we brought out last week that wasn't found in the text, but it's a truth that I want you to see in the New Testament today. And the truth we brought out last week as we were preaching that message is you can't hope in the word unless you know the word. You can't have hope in something you're not aware of or you're not alert to or you don't know. You can't drive blind and expect to make it safely in life to the next destination or to the destination you're supposed to be at. And God doesn't expect you to do that. He has given his word, but you got to spend time in it. And today, I just believe that we need to think once again on that truth. It's a truth that is, um, is laid out for us and shared in many different places, Old Testament and New. Uh, Joshua was told uh, that he was to meditate in the law of God day and night. David said in Psalm chapter 1 that he was going to be a person who spent time in the word of God. And he encouraged it and urged it in Psalm 1 that we should do it daily. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Then we can go to the New Testament, and we could look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, you know, where we learn about the Bible being given uh, in doctrinary proof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that we might be perfect. Uh, we learn in, uh, and Peter mentioned the fact, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So we have a lot of commands, and most of those verses are well-known scriptures. And the reason they're well-known is because they've been preached a lot. And the reason they've been preached a lot is because a lot of times Christians live life blind. And they shouldn't, and they don't have to. Because God has given his instruction. The question again is, are you spending time in the word of God? Now, uh, if I were to ask you, are you a Christian driving blindfolded, you would say, well, of course not. And I'm glad you would say that. That's great news. But here's a follow-up question. Share three truths that you learned from God's word this week. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud, obviously, and you're not, you're not going to. <laughs> but is it that you can't? Or that it's Sunday morning and we wouldn't ever do that on Sunday morning? Okay, all right, three truths. Maybe that's, that's a lot. All right. Two truths that you learned from the Bible this week. Now, I'm not asking if you read the Bible. I'm asking what you've learned from the Bible. There's a big difference. Hey, there have been days, I'll admit it, okay, maybe you won't, but there have been days, I, I've read the Word and I've come away and I haven't gotten anything. But, but I fulfilled my obligation because I read my Bible. But God has given me the Bible to, if you would, take the, take the blindfolds of my eyes so that I might know how to live life. Okay, all right, so three didn't work. 
two didn't work, then share one truth that God gave you this week from his word that actually has made a difference in your life. Now, I, I hope the silence is that it's Sunday morning and you don't want to answer out loud. But I, I dare say that it may be the case that you couldn't share one thing that God taught you this week from his word. And if that's the case, you've been driving blindfold. You've been driving blindfold. Because God gave us his word to direct us around the, the oval of life. And we need it desperately. And so I would like you to look at this verse that we know so well and think about the truths found there this morning. And, um, and I hope it will once again challenge you about the need to get into the word, not just to read it, to say, I fulfilled my obligation this week, but to take it and make a difference in the way you're living your life. Because if the Bible has not changed you this week, you've been driving blindfolded. Let's ask God to help us. Father, please open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to the truth of Scripture. I know that there's a tendency, human nature has a tendency when we come to a familiar passage of Scripture to maybe just say, I already know everything about this. But I pray that today there wouldn't be a Christian in this room who doesn't seriously contemplate what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. And I pray that each one of us would then make decisions in our lives that would make a difference and would allow us to come back next Sunday and say, I learned from God's word this week. Here's what God taught me. And I pray that we would be Christians who don't just read the word, but Christians who live by the word. Christians who drive through life without blindfolds, but with our eyes clearly open because the word of God has made known how we're supposed to live. And I will thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the familiar verse? 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. I want you to say it with me. You know it. I know you know it. But let's say it together out loud. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, a number of you were looking up this way because you have it memorized. You know it. But as is the tendency, sometimes these familiar verses, we can go into that, you know, that, uh, what, sleep mode, you know. I'm not going to pay attention because I already have all the answers. You may, but if you couldn't answer the questions I've asked, are there three truths or two truths or just one truth that has actually made a difference in your life, then you need to contemplate what God says in verse 15, and you need to think about it this morning. So let's take a deep look at this passage, and it's a greatly needed admonition. And I want to ask you to ask God to help you to see the truth clearly of this verse once again. Now, if we're going to understand this verse, uh, we could look at it alone. In fact, it's one of those verses that kind of does stand alone uh, in the sense that uh, you can read it and you can learn great truth from it, and you don't have to look at all the surrounding verses to actually learn the truth that's being found in this verse. And I like verses like that. 
But in order to understand the verse better, it does help us if we at least take a look at the verses around it. Because the verses around us, around this verse, stress at least uh, not the best reason, because the verse itself gives us the best reason, but it does suggest the importance of spending time in the Word of God if you understand what's found around it. So let me give you the first point. The error which reminds us of the need to study the Word of God is found in the verses that lead up to and actually that follow verse 15. So why did God tell and why did that instruction to Timothy be given here, study to show thyself approved unto God? Well, part of the reason why is because of all the error that's going on in the world around us. And we see that, first of all, laid out in verse 14. He says, of these things put them in remembrance. Timothy, I got a lot of things you need to be doing, and you can read about in the first 13 verses of, of 2 Timothy. He was supposed to teach the men and uh, faithful men so that they could teach others. He was supposed to do a number of things. He was supposed to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then he was supposed to teach God's people a number of different things they needed to know, and there's a reason why. Put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. See what was going on in that day. And by the way, it's going on today as well. And we were reminded of that, that fact in Sunday school today. In the day of Jesus Christ there were, and, and in the early church, there were false teachers. There were false ideas. There was error all around. The reason why Timothy was supposed to teach these people and then encourage them and himself, he, himself, his own life, he was supposed to study the word, is because there's a lot of error out there around us. In fact, what we learn in verse 14 is that uh, it's important to know the word of God so you can prevent the catastrophes that are all around us. Uh, so this young pastor needed to instruct people in truth and remind them, don't get into spiritual debates with people. Here's the reason. There's no profit in debating uh, Bible truths and Bible doctrine with people if it's all, all that it is is a debate. You see... If someone really wants to know the truth, you got a friend, they have some questions about Bible truth, great, sit down with them, discuss it. But if someone is only interested in debate, God says, don't waste your time. And there's a reason why you don't do that. Actually, a lot of reasons, but in this passage, he said, it subverts the hearers. There's a danger. There's a danger in spending time sitting and discussing with people uh, you, they have their views, you have your, your views, and you're just going to discuss those things. By the way, that's what a lot of Bible studies are today. And they're useless from that standpoint. If there's a Bible study you go to where they actually take the word, there's a teacher who opens the Bible and teaches you what the Bible has to say, there may be benefit in it. But if but your Bible study is only for everyone to share what they think about God's word and everyone's going to just say, oh, that's wonderful, that's a good thought, that's tremendous, then I'm, my friends, you're wasting your time. You're going to something that won't profit and won't benefit. In fact, the truth is, and here's the reason why it's so dangerous, is because it does subvert people. Spending time debating and, and arguing about doctrines or discussing and everyone shares their idea and everyone's idea is right is a very dangerous thing because it leads ultimately to people going the wrong direction. Some people want to say, you know, it's a, it's, it's a good thing if we discuss Bible truth, even if we disagree with one another. And God says, don't strive about words to no profit in verse 14, because it will, uh, good chance it's going to subvert the hearers. Now, what does it mean to subvert? 
Um, well, let me explain it this way. You ever seen a demolition derby? Yeah, I, we were introduced to that in, uh, to demolition derbies in uh, in Gibson City, Illinois. Uh, that wonderful world of entertainment, um, you know. And so, what happens? A bunch of crazy people take old cars, they fix them up, and they meet in an area. Well, it depends on on uh, on uh, the 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 design, but the ones we saw, they had about the size of a half a football field, football field, or whatever. And all they would do is they'd run into one another until there was no vehicle left running except one. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy thing. It's not, well, actually, I enjoyed it. You know, it's just one of those things. But, you know, these people, they, they paint a number on their vehicle, and they just go around, and they just bang one another up. And, and uh, what valuable entertainment, you know? But the whole fun was seeing people demolish each other's vehicles. I mean, the bangs, the, the dents, and, and you see the condition of the vehicles after they... they they subjected their vehicle to such a treatment. It was just an amazing thing. I think all they did sometimes was take those vehicles afterward and take a, like a sledgehammer and bang out the dents, and then they were back next week after they got the vehicle running again, you know? Uh, but uh, here's the thing. The word subvert in that, this passage is interesting because the literal word is catastrophe, from which we get the word catastrophe. Um, there are Christians all around who are being banged around and overthrown and, and if you would, destroyed because people sit and debate and argue about Bible doctrine. And God says it's useless and it's dangerous. And there's a reason why you need to be a student of the book. There's a reason why you need to study, because there are a lot of people being subverted, and because there are a lot of doctrines out there, out there that are not true to the Word of God, and you need to know what they are so that you are not led astray. Otherwise, you're going to be driving through life blind. And verse 14 reminds you of that important truth. If you look at verses 16, 17, and 18, so there are catastrophes which need to be avoided around us, and you need to study in order to do that. If you look in verse 16, he says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. So not only do we need to prevent the catastrophes around us, the, 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 the if you would say the human wrecks around us, by not debating and arguing, but studying the word of God and knowing what it says. But we also need to remove the cankers amongst, amongst us. Do you see that in verses 16 to 18? Immediately after the main message, study, Paul goes back and he warns Timothy and he says, don't get into those discussions and arguments. Again, here we go. Why? Because they lead to greater error rather than correct error. You say, why? Because evil has a way of corrupting that which is good. You don't take your fruit, bad fruit, and you put good fruit with it because you want to make the, the bad fruit good. It just doesn't work, okay? It doesn't work. You know that. Humanly, we know that it just doesn't work. But somehow in our mind, we think, well, if we'll just keep discussing and debating this with these people, we're going to win them over. And God says there's a great chance that they're going to win you over. And you got to be very careful. you got to be alert to that fact. 
And God says that it will, they're, they're debating in those things and those discussions and getting involved in those things. will eat like, notice what it says there, will eat as doth a canker. Um, I, I, let me give you the Greek word here, gangrena, from which we get the word gangrene. There's some really nasty words in these verses surrounding verse 15, aren't there? We have a catastrophe in verse 14 if you get involved in this. We have gangrene, uh, like, a, like a, a festering ulcer that's gnawing away. Debating words only hurt those around you because the truth is there are some that may not know the truth real well, and they could be deceived. The truth is as well, you can be led astray, and God says don't get involved in it, but study to show yourself approved unto God. Now, it's interesting. You would think God would say, study and then spend time debating with them and, and spend time discussing with them and spend time helping all these people that are on the wrong track. And God says, no, don't get involved in that, but you need to spend time in the word of God. Do you see how surrounding this verse, we learn about the error that's all around us. In, in you know, I hate when I have to say in my day growing up, but I have to say that more often now. I just find that I'm saying it all the time. But, it, but growing up, preachers used to say all the time, watch what you listen to on the radio and watch what you see on TV. Don't get involved in sitting and listening to those television preachers and other things. Uh, today, um, error has proliferated so much through the Internet, through social media, through so many other means, through, through all these people that want to do these Bible, Bible studies and we all sit around, we discuss, and everyone shares what they, view, they think is the Bible is saying. And no one ever disagrees with anyone because, well, we're all, your thoughts are just as valid as mine. And these things that are going on all around us are errors that you have to be aware of. And you got to watch out for. And, and the protection, the great protection for these things is found in verse 15. But understand that it's not going to help itself. You've got to make the decision. I'm not going to be involved in those things. But I will tell you that error is all around you. Um, you can get on podcasts. You need to be careful who you listen to. You need to be careful of the, the, the preachers, the discussion rooms you get into, uh, the, the Facebook pages that, that you read and look at. You say, well, I learn a lot, a lot of good. And sometimes I just have fun arguing. Well, God warns. And this is not, these are not my warnings. These are God's. And God warned a preacher about this. He said, don't get involved in this. Understand the danger in it. There is so much error being perpetrated all around us, even in Christian circles. And you need to be very careful about that fact. So we need to study the Bible to protect us from that error. But there's a greater reason why we need to spend time in the Word of God. If you look at verse 15, now we get into that. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. We have an exhortation which urges us here in verse 15 to study. Earnestness is needed. Look at how this verse starts. It really is kind of abrupt. Study! That's what you want to tell your kids, right? Study when it comes to school, when it comes to other things. But it, what's interesting is that this abrupt start isn't telling you literally to study. The word itself means, literally is, speed. 
Make haste. Be earnest. That's what God is telling us. I, now, here we are. I'm not trying to impress you with Greek words because you can find them very easily as you do a study. All right. Uh, good old, uh, what, Strong's exhaustive concordance. But I love this word, spudadzo. God uses to start this verse. So if you were saying it in the Greek, you would say, spudadzo. Love that. Okay. I don't know what I just did. <laughs> I got your attention now, right? Um, but it's great. It's, it actually is, the, the word literally means speed. And the idea is use speed or make an effort or be prompt or, again, be earnest to learn what the word of God has to say. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, I can give a lot of illustrations of this one because I've been to a lot of fast food restaurants. I don't see earnestness in a lot of fast food restaurants. Do you? Yeah, we were at one the other day uh, after visiting at the hospital, went and uh, haven't been to a Kentucky Fried Chicken for a long time because, you know, the one closed in Spring Hill. And, and now I'm making you think about food. Huh? And so we went in. There were three workers in the back area, my wife and I, since we haven't been in one for, for quite a while. And, and uh, we're, we're looking at the, the menu to make sure, you know, know what we want to get, everything else. So um, so we were standing maybe back a couple of feet from the counter, but no one was at the counter, and no one even looked up. Okay, you, you, you know, you kind of know you're in trouble when no one even looks up when you're, when you're in. So we go up to the counter, because we finally decided that after a couple, and we probably stood there for like two, three minutes, and finally the person who was taking orders over at the drive-thru you know, over on, on that end, uh, comes over and takes our order when there were two people standing back there, I guess fulfilling orders, but they didn't seem to be fulfilling all that much. Okay, you, you, get, the, you get the idea, right? You've been there, haven't you? you? You've seen that kind of thing. They don't have an earnestness about them at all. I mean, after we ordered, um, the two people uh, getting orders together, it still took them about three or four or five minutes to get the order together while we, while we got our drinks and went to the table. Well, my wife went to the table, and I just, uh, I just went and uh, stood around and waited and waited and waited. And then, and then finally the, the lady came over, and she boxed up my wife's and mine, and we got our food. And it was good, but there wasn't an earnestness to it. God says, and I think we can grasp this, that we need to have an earnestness to get into the word of God. There needs to be that desire. There needs to be this, this, this thought, I need the word. I want something from God's word today. I need it. So I'm going to make it an important part of my day because I don't want to go through a week blindfolded. I don't want to drive today down the road without the eyes, the word of God opening my eyes to truth. I just don't want to go through a day that way. So give earnestness, give speed to this, give some real energy, be prompt to get into the word of God and open it up and don't be like the workers at the fast food restaurants or at least a good number of them. In preparation for today, 
those workers came to my mind. And I asked myself the question, what does God see about me in regard to his word? Does he see someone who's really earnest about reading the word or someone who's, who reads the word because I've just read the word for years? And I have. It was in eighth grade, I made the decision I was going to read the Bible on a daily basis. And no, I haven't succeeded in reading it every day since eighth grade. But I, I would say this, there's never been a long period of time since eighth grade. And that's been at least a few years where I haven't read the word. But there have been seasons where I got nothing from it. And in those seasons, I haven't been earnest. I haven't been using speed. I haven't done what this verse says, even though I've known this verse for years. Because we can get away from an earth. We can kind of sit back and just drive through life blindfolded because I didn't get anything from the word today, but I read the Bible. Because I've made that habit in my life, but it's not important to me like it needs to be. Give speed. Spoodadzo. Remember that this week. That's the attitude you need to have earnestness. And then notice this. You're an exhibit. Study to show thyself approved unto God. The word show is found in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3 when the Bible says Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. You know that verse? Well, what does it mean? It means that people saw him. He was on display so that there was no question to his followers. I have risen from the dead. I mean, how many different times? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul records a number of different things, times where people saw him. 500 at one time. Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. So everyone saw him on display. God says this, as far as your life is concerned, you are on display. Study to show yourself, display yourself like Jesus did, approved unto God. You are on display, not before everyone in the church, although you are. You are on display before who in this verse? Study. You know the reason I need to give speed to this? I need to be earnest about reading the Bible? Because I am on display before God. And he's making decisions about me. You find that kind of challenging? I am, my life, my actions are on display before God. I'm on exhibit. And what does God see? Okay, picture it this way. Picture a school science project. Students in a class are given an assignment. They got to study something out. They got to then make a display, and they got to share it with the class. Going to have a display day. Parents are going to come in and everything else. And so, so you have these kids in the, in the. You have this classroom. You have the day comes, and they've done their study or they didn't do their study. And you walk into this room, and and first table to the left is Mike's table, and all Mike has are like three pieces of paper on the table because he didn't start studying until like the day before, and he just wrote out a few things that he, you know, he learned from his study, and it's just sitting on on a on a bare table. Then across the room, there's uh, there's uh, Cindy, and. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I can't even get into the names that people name themselves today, so I'm just choosing names like you know from that people would know. You 
Cindy. Cindy, I mean, she's just got this awesome display. She's got some things you can, you can, you know, play with. <laughs> Stuff you love to do with this science project that, that was done. Because she really learned. And you can see she has this beautiful display. And she's got these nice, you know, flowers all over. And it looks pretty. And, you, and you, you can read. She's got all these different notes that you can see about her project. You can mess with the stuff that she learned and it's like a, a great lesson for everyone then you go over a few tables down and you get to, to Bobby's table and and you can tell Bobby took a you know crayon and he just wrote on a piece of cardboard uh, and everyone's display is different now Bobby at least did something Mike did nothing Cindy did everything that was expected Okay, what kind of grades do you think they're going to get? Oh, by the way, parents are all going to see this, right? And the kids are all going to see what's been done. But, but whose opinion really matters? Yeah, every parent could come to Mike and say, wow, this is great, Mike. By the way, today we pat everyone on the back, no matter what they do. Oh, Mike, good job, when he hasn't done anything. No, it isn't a good job. Oh, yeah, he's wondering. He could do whatever he imagines himself, his ability to do. Okay, no, that's not true. He did a rotten job, and the teacher's going to tell him that. It's going to be an F. And Cindy, what do you think Cindy's going to get? Probably. Teacher decides, though. It's going to be that big, big A. What's Bobby going to get? Well, who knows? It might be a B minus, might be a C, <laughs> might be a D plus. You know, it depends on how far... He went how much time he took. But here's the truth. All of them were on display. And all that mattered, really all that matters, what the teacher thought. And here's the truth. You and I are on display before God. And, and here's the question that really should be searching to us from this verse. Is what has God thought of your display this week in regard to the Bible? You see, I could say, well, tell me one thing you learned. Tell me three things you learned from the Bible this week that changed your life or made a difference. Tell me two things or one thing. And you might even have one thing, but here's the truth. The question is, was God pleased with the display? Would, would God say, what I see from their life this week shows me they took off the blindfold they dug into the word, they were earnest, and they loved me. And here's the truth, that's all that matters. It, it doesn't matter if I'm impressed with your life, what matters is what God thinks of your life. It, it does not matter what your neighbors think of you, what matters is what God thinks of you. And we are on display according to this verse. If we're to give speed, we're to be earnest about this, we are to be concerned about this because we are in display before God. And our goal then, so we are to be earnest because we are an exhibit. And here's the goal, endorsement. We want God's approval. At least we should study to show thyself approved unto God. I want God's approval. So although we have practical reasons in verse 14 and verses 16 and 17 to study the word of God to protect ourselves and to be, be people who know what the Bible says so that we're not led astray by false teaching, 
the greatest reason by far that I need to study is because I am on display, and the goal that I should have is that God approves of me. That's it. That I would have God's endorsement. That he would say, good job this week in the word of God. But also, notice this, because he does bring out negative. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So avoiding embarrassment. You say, what, what kind of embarrassment? Well, there is a day when we're going we're gonna to be on display before all. Isn't that true? You can read about it. We don't have time this morning, or, or we would. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is a great passage on that. It talks about gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble. And you're building with something. And you say, well, what is that? Um, certainly it'd have to be if this passage is true since we're on display before God. It would be the, the time we gave to the love we had for and the interest in the time we spent learning the word of God and practicing it. And on that day, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't know about you. Say, well, you shouldn't because you're a preacher. And man, if you wouldn't have a good good report card, man, that wouldn't be good. I get it. I get it. But but don't think it's going to mean any less to you if God isn't pleased with your display. Because it's just as important for you to look on on that day as it is for me. I want to be a workman. That needs not be ashamed. Now, it's not interesting because he could have said uh, a, a student, a pupil, right? Because isn't that how we talk about disciple? Be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Give speed to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. But the word right workman is the idea of a, of a, a toiler, a hard worker. So what what I should desire is avoiding embarrassment by being a hard worker. <laughs> um, we called the doctor on Friday because my wife wasn't feeling well. And we said, you know, she, she had already asked if she could get in. And when I called the doctor, I got the doctor. Have you ever called the doctor and got the doctor? Yeah, that doesn't happen. <clears throat> but it did. And, and I thought it was, uh, was kind of like I, I was taken back because when, when he answered, um, I, I said, well, I, I just was trying to get my wife in to, to, um, to see uh, the, the doctor. <laughs> she, she can. I didn't expect to talk to you. And he said, well, let me tell you what happened. <clears throat> so I heard the whole story. Um, lady, uh, he fired the week before. So he was at the desk because he had just fired her because she was coming in late every day. And then, I don't know how this could happen in a doctor's office, but she was falling asleep on the job. And a number of times they found this lady sleeping on the job. So he was the, he was the secretary. He was, at, he was at the desk filling out the, the things and everything else. The doctor is at the desk filling out the things because he had to fire the lady because he found her not a good workman. Well, she was a workman that should be ashamed. Unfortunately, she'd probably just go and find another job somewhere and complain about her boss and how unreasonable he was. But 
the truth is, uh, she should have been embarrassed, wouldn't you? Should be. Got a job to do. Be a workman. And God tells us in this verse, study to show thyself approved unto God. Approved unto God. Because we're going to give account to him. A workman that needs needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the expectation is for you to, to be a workman with the word of God. And notice the last part of this verse. Rightly the word of truth. So you say, well, if we're not told to study at the beginning because it means give speed, where are we told to study? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now we finally get to it, actually. What is he talking about in this passage? Well, study. No, he's talking about, in, in verse 15, a person who rightly divides the word of truth. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to learn. A couple of things about this expectation of a workman, okay? First of all, let's understand it is truth. That's encouraging, isn't it? Look, when we deal with the Bible, we're dealing with absolutes. We're dealing with truth. We're not dealing with opinions of men. We're not dealing with the ideas of people. We're dealing with truth. Uh, don't they make you say in the court of law, I, I, I don't even know if they may, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You know, it's a line that ever, I don't think they make you say, so help me God anymore. Oh, some states still do. All right, thank you very much. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, here, here's the, the fact. A court of law does no good if people don't tell the truth. Really, you're going to have a hard time coming to a proper conclusion if people aren't telling the truth. And sadly, there's a lot of people that don't that have a, have a problem with truth. But thankfully, when we come to the Bible, it's true. It's absolute truth. And so it's not a, a question of, well, is, is the, you know, does, does God really say this? Does God really mean it? No, it's absolutely true. It is. Everything in the Bible is absolutely true. What God has written is true. It is truth. It is not, it doesn't contain truth. It is is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He didn't just say, I have truth. I know the truth. I am truth. The Bible is truth. It doesn't just contain it. Every page, every, every message in it, every verse in the Bible is absolute truth. And we need to come to the Bible that way. By the way, that's why we say it's so important because if you don't come and study the truth, you won't know error when it comes along. If you don't come and study the truth, you're going to be driving around the oval of life this week blindfolded because you won't have the answers. And there's so much error out there. And, and really, it is. We've talked about it, and it seems like we mention it all the time. But there's, there's people who... who um, who have been given advice from Christians, yeah, you should get a divorce. In situations where they shouldn't get a divorce and they don't have a Bible reason why. The Bible is very clear. Now, are there situations? We are not getting off on that subject today because it's very involved and there's a lot in the word of God in regard to divorce and remarriage and all that stuff. But let me say this. There aren't a lot of reasons at all whatsoever in the Bible for people to get a divorce. And yet I've heard Christians give that counsel and advice to people. There's a lot of error out there, and you need to know the truth. And the only way you're going to know it is if you 
are in the Bible yourself. And you're in a place where the Bible is taken and it's preached in truth. And that's why God tells you, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It is the word of truth, and I am so thankful for that. But this is also important. It has to be rightly divided. Now, you know we've been involved in a lot of construction projects, and throughout my lifetime, I've had to cut a lot of pieces of plywood. And I have no problem making straight lines on plywood. I'll take a, it's called a chalk line, and I'll put it up at the top at the right place, and I'll put it at the bottom, and I'll just snap that thing, and I'll have a beautifully straight line. So when I'm done cutting, I have a beautifully straight line. Unfortunately, I have to cut. I have a beautifully straight line to go by. I mean, it, it may be blue, it may be red, depends on what color the chalk line is. It, I mean, it'll just be clear. I got my line, and it's all straight. So why do my pieces of plywood come out like and the problem is the problem is the, the saw. It is. My eyes are fine. My hands are fine. But somehow the saw just jumps off that line and my pieces aren't straight. You know how I make a straight line? And how I get a straight cut, you, I could have a line anywhere. It doesn't matter. It ain't going to be straight if I'm cutting with my, with my saw. So I take a, a board that's straight, and I, I, I'll just uh, clamp it down to that piece of plywood exactly where I need it, and then I'll just run that saw along that, that board right along the edge of it. And when I'm done, I have a straight line. You know, when God says... We are to rightly divide the word of truth. It means literally to cut a straight line. So that I am to take the word of God and I have to make sure I rightly divide it. I cut a straight line. I am going the right way. I'm not deviating here. I'm not deviating there. I'm not sharing my opinions, my ideas. I'm not coming up with what I think the Bible has to say. I am saying this is truth and here's what God says. I've cut a straight line. And, and my friends, that is where the problem is. You can have the word of God is truth. Do you believe that? Okay. The word of God is truth. It is the word of truth. It is absolutely true. But there are people in churches all around our church this morning who will take this book and they won't preach truth. And here's the problem. They don't rightly divide it. They don't cut a straight path. They don't know how to study the word. They never have learned. Some never have learned, and some have learned wrong things, and some have just come to the Bible saying, well, I'm just going to let God speak to me. And they haven't learned to study the book. So they don't know the truth. Even though they have the truth, they hold the truth, and it is the truth. It's only, it's only going to be beneficial as the truth if you rightly divide it. And my friends, you and I need to learn to do that. We need to. Because there's a lot of error out there. And it's a desperate day in which we need people who study to show themselves approved unto God. It's a display before God. I am, I am going to give speed to get into this book, The Word of Truth, and make sure I understand what the Word of Truth says and what it means. And I'm going to follow that. That's the whole idea of this verse.
so that I won't be ashamed when I give account before the one who I'm on display before right now. So, are you driving blindfolded? Or are you driving as a Christian who's spending time in the Word, earnestly spending time in the Word to find, a, find out what it says as it is meant so that you can follow it and please the one who bought you? Now, if you couldn't say, well, there's one truth, two truths, three truths. If you couldn't say that there's truth that I have learned that has made a difference in my life, then this verse is something you need to follow and learn from. So will you make changes in your life this week so that you might be a workman that needs not be ashamed? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Because here's the fact of the matter. Real hope comes when you're a student of this book. And you come and you dig because you want to learn and you want to be that approved workman before a holy God. Bow our heads and close our eyes.